The views and opinions expressed by any guest or host of WJMS Media do not reflect the beliefs of its owners or associates. No liability, explicit or implied, should be extended to WJMS Media or its show hosts, whose words, advice, and or opinions appear from or on our website or on air. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. Are we on the air? This is WJMS Media. Jam. This chick is a sick individual. You're tuned in to Sound Off with your girl Jams right here on WJMS Media. There is no competition. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Sound Off right here on WJMS Media. This is your girl, Jams. I'm so excited to be with you guys today. It has been a long time since I've done a show, and that's for no fault of anybody's. It's just the fact that I've been busy doing a lot of advocacy in the community. Um, I recently got to attend the Congressional Black Caucus's 51st Annual Legislative Conference in Washington, D.C., which is the purpose of the next series of shows that are going to be coming to you guys uh, in the next couple of weeks. I met some amazing, amazing people at that conference, and I am so excited to have scheduled so many interviews for Sound Off just to bring all of these folks to your attention so that you can potentially connect with them and we can further what we're doing. So today I'm speaking with the first of many. I'm excited to welcome Allison Woods to the show. She's an author and a storyteller. She was born in Chicago and attended the Chicago Public Schools from K to 12, and then she graduated from John M. Harlan High School. She went on to college and graduated from Carleton College in Northfield, Minnesota, and she began her career in information technology with IBM in 1974 and retired from Pepsi in 2017. So as an author, she has written four children's books based on experiences with her grandchildren. The first one called My Name is Kayla. Second book is called We Are Happy. The third book is called On Sundays We Go to Church. And the fourth book and most recent book is called My Name is Cash. So as a storyteller, Allison entertained her children and now her grandchildren with her own bedtime stories. But she took things one step further with her grandkids and challenged them to set the stage by prompting them by saying, give me two words and I'll give you a story. So she calls this technique spontaneous fiction. You can imagine how crazy and imaginative these stories must get with kids giving you the two words to set the stage. So Allison lives in Irving, Texas with her husband, Charles. Her grandchildren and children also live in Texas, Georgia, Alabama, Virginia, and North Carolina. So I'm really excited to welcome her to the show today. Good afternoon, Allison. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm just excited to be here. Absolutely. So I gave the audience just a little bit of information about you, but I want to give you the opportunity to expound on that and give a little bit more of your backstory. So why don't you give the audience a little bit more of, you know, how you became an author and and why the decision to write stories based on your grandchildren? So um, the decision to become an author was really uh, was not something I really thought I would ever do. Uh, But Kayla, my oldest granddaughter, would come to visit me every single summer. And so at about her third summer when she was three years old, I decided, well, let me start reading books to her. And I went to the bookstore and thought, I'll get a book, a series with the African-American little girl as the lead character. And that way, as we're reading, this character will develop and she'll be able to see that and it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. But I didn't find a series. I found a lot of one, one-off one books, you know, like a single book, but I didn't find anything. And so the, um, the, uh, the person in the store said, well, how about Doc McStuffins? 
And I thought, well, I love Doc McStuffins and I love the cartoon, but she's not really realistic. There, there aren't a lot of seven or eight-year-old little girls that are vets. And I wanted the books to be more realistic. So I got home that day and thought, well, you know, I can do, I could write a children's book. Let me see. And so that's how My Name is Kayla came about. But I was working at the time. And so this was like maybe 2010 when I started writing the books. And I've written several other titles with Kayla in mind just based on my experiences with her. And so, but I've only published two. So that's how it got started. It wasn't something I ever planned on doing, wanted to do, or thought I would do. And then once I retired, I decided to go ahead and publish. So that's kind of how I got the, the, the writing going. Now, as far as the um, storytelling, I started one night when my two youngest children, my two daughters, couldn't decide what book they wanted me to read. And I was, uh, to be honest, getting annoyed because I had a lot of stuff I needed to get done. I had to get to work the next morning. I need to clean the kitchen, lay out clothes, and I wanted to get some good rest. Well, they kept fighting back and forth. I'm finally, I said, you know what? Not a problem. I'm just going to make up a story tonight. Y'all just sit back. And so I made up a story. I don't even remember what it was about, but it was hilarious because it was kind of ridiculous. And so, and they loved it. And I thought, okay, whenever they have a problem and they can't pick a book, I'll just make up a story. Well, then it turned into, they didn't want to pick a book. They just wanted me to make up the stories. So that was fun. And of course they grew up and grew out of wanting me to tell them stories. But then I had grandchildren and I decided with the youngest grandchildren that I would say, well, you you can be involved. So why don't you just give me a couple words to get me started with the story? And that turned into give me two words and I'll give you a story. And that's kind of what I do with them whenever they spend the night. Whenever, sometimes we'll just do it like on a Sunday afternoon. We don't have to just do it at bedtime. But I started doing them at bedtime and it's just been fun. <laughs> that is really, really exciting. And I can only imagine some of the stuff that they've come up with in terms of words. Can you think of or remember any of like the most you know, sort of just crazy words that they've come up with that you had to put into oh. a story? So one time it was dinosaur and cookies. And for that story, I had a dinosaur that came into the house and baked cookies. And so, <laughs> and so it was, it was quite one time it was um, Butterfinger and alien. Oh man. <laughs> uh, you know, one time it was, uh, they would give me easy words like up and down when they were smaller. But one time they gave me um, tree and uh, bicycle. So they would give me words that didn't really have anything to do with each other, but I could just make them have something to do with each other. And so I, I can't remember the tree and bicycle. I don't remember how I told that story, but I remember that one. One time it was uh, uh, glasses. And so they meant eyeglasses, but they didn't say eyeglasses. Yeah. So they said glasses and it was, the word was glasses and uh, sunshine. So I didn't know they meant eyeglasses. So I talked about glasses out in the sun and what would happen. And, you know, we made, we made, uh, we made, I think in that story, I had to make uh, sun tea. You know, I don't, years ago, there was this thing where you could put the iced tea out, the tea outside and you can make sun tea to make iced tea. So, oh. we did. so it was, that was, you probably too young to remember that. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> that was a while ago. So I did that. And so it was just, they're always just, you know, hysterical. You know, sometimes they get really tired and they'll just do things like say door and house. So yeah. my challenge then is to make sure that the story isn't about a door in a house. It has to be somewhere else. So I have to disconnect them, even if they're like they're close together to make the story a little bit more interesting. 
And how long are these stories usually going for? Do you have like, you know, there's obviously no timer because it's your imagination, but like how long typically do they go? So it depends, you know, it can be anywhere from like two minutes to five minutes. But what I find if I go longer than five minutes, they kind of lose interest. So I'm always trying to wrap it up. But the challenge with doing them on the fly is that I'm thinking and talking at the same time. So I'm thinking where I'm going to take it. I'm thinking how it's going to end all while I'm talking. And until I get that set in my mind, I sometimes might meander a little bit. And sometimes I'll say to them, "Uh, what was that second word again? (laughs) And what I find is what they'll do is they might give me a different word for the second word than they gave me originally. Because I really do remember the word. I'm just trying to stall for time. So when that happens, I do use the second word. And when the story's over, I say, but you know, that wasn't the word you gave me. And they just think that's hilarious, you know, but I remember, you know, because if you don't remember the words, you certainly can't do the story. So, but no longer than five minutes because the intention span, you know, isn't that long. So we do about a five minute story. Okay. And so have you always been a storyteller? Is that just something you've always been good at? Or is it something that you just developed a talent for later on in life? So, you know, when you asked me that question, I, I, I thought I would say no, but in reality, I was going through my high school yearbook and someone wrote when I graduated from high school, many, 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 many years ago. They said, I will re- I, I miss you and all the stories you tell. Hmm. And I think I wasn't telling stories back then that I was making up. I was telling stories about what happened, what happened to me in Chicago, what happened to me the day I bumped into Muhammad Ali, what happened the day when I stayed out too late and my mom turned on all the lights you know, in the house. So I was just telling stories about what happened to me or things I experienced with people I would meet on the bus or the L growing up in Chicago, the things they would say or the things they would do. And so that was pretty much where my stories came from. But I guess I have been telling stories for a really long time. Just now they're more fictional. Although sometimes with my two word stories, when I do it on my Instagram, I actually will tell a true story and I'll just, you know, make, get two words from out of the story. And then I'll just tell like a true story too. (laughs) <laughs> I absolutely love that. And I'm definitely going to check out the YouTube and the, the Instagram to see, you know, some of these stories that you've told. They're probably hilarious. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about the books individually. So there's four of them and each one of them is, you know, for the grandchildren, of course. But um, tell us a little bit about My Name is Kayla and a little bit of the backstory on that one. So my name is Kayla because I wanted there to be a series with um, an African-American little girl's lead character. I decided I would write the first book about how this little girl figures out her name. And so the whole book is, you know, because it's a short book, it's a children's book. The type is really large on purpose so that as children begin to learn how to read, it's a book that's easy for them to read. The words are big. There's not a lot of words on the page. You know, there's some sight words, you know, so I'm always thinking about, you know, encouraging children to read, even in the writing of the books and even of the telling of the stories, it's either reading or using their imagination, which I think is really important. So that's how my name is Kayla came to be just what, how does a baby figure that out? Like we all know our names today, but like, how did we get to the point? And I think it was from hearing people say our name and over and over again. So that's how my name is Kayla came about. Okay. And so is there going to be, I mean, I know you said you wanted to make a series out of it. So have you thought about the next chapters or the next episodes of My Name is Kayla or what it's going to look like? So the next episode is actually on Sundays we go to church. Okay. Which is my third book. So in that book, Kayla's now about three years old. And um, from her perspective, I think she might would say that 
whenever she would come visit me in the summer, all we did was go to church. That is not true. We would go to church maybe on Wednesday night for Bible study. And then we'd go Sunday morning. Yeah. And back pre-COVID, my church had an evening service. So sometimes we'd go Sunday evenings. It was kind of relaxed. You know, you could just, you know, it was just uh, in a kind of like a nice way to end the week and, you know, to get ready for the next week. And so this book tells from her perspective, because she's the voice in the book, what happens every summer from me pick from her grandmother picking her up to getting on the plane to what they do every day to uh, an event that happened one Sunday. And this particular book is a true story because this is something Kayla actually did say and do one Sunday when we were in church. So that's what kind of happened with that. Okay. And so the next section of the books is We Are Happy. And okay. tell us a little bit about that one. So We Are Happy. Um, there are two little boys in the book. They're the main characters and they are twins, but they don't know they're twins. And what I'm trying to do is based on my experiences with my twin grandsons, Hunter and Liam, kind of convey how I saw them and how twins figure out that they're twins. You know, because they don't really know that at first, but I had never been around twins as babies and they were quite fascinating. That they, I mean, you could tell when they were upset with each other. You could, I mean, you could just tell all kinds of things just in their body language and in kind of the way they communicated to each other, which we weren't really privy to. And so this tells Hunter, um, who is the oldest of the twins, he narrates the story and tells how they figure out that they're twins. Okay. That's probably really interesting to see too. And, you know, because kids don't, I guess it's not recognized, but they don't know themselves or what they look right. like until they <laughs> yeah. see each other, like until they see their faces right. yeah. in the mirror and they I, realize you know, that this is them. They're just like clueless. I don't mean yeah. clueless, but there's that, um, you know, it's not like other babies of other species, like, you know, uh, a doe has a fawn and the deer within minutes gets up and walks, right? Yeah. And follows its mother. You know, our children don't do that. We carry them for a long time. They don't really have speech. They don't really understand. So it is a little bit different. But with the twins, it was quite interesting. So what were some of the challenges writing that story? Because it's that's a very interesting concept, you know? So like, what are some of the yeah. things that you may have struggled with? So um I had to sort of do, you know, so it is a children's book, but, I, you know, I do do a little bit of research. It's not like I'm writing a historical novel where I have to be like totally <laughs> yeah. accurate. But I um, in one illustration in the book, the twins are being held by their parents and Hunter is explaining what he's seeing because, you know, babies only see in black and white when they're first born. Mm -hmm. So the, the picture with them being held by their parents is in color. But the picture on the other page of what they're looking at is in black and white, which is actually their grandparents. So I had to make sure I wanted to make sure I conveyed that as well. So a little bit of accuracy in that. And then I talked to other parents of twins to see, you know, well, how was it and what was it like? And so my one friend whose twins are like in their 20s, she said, "Ooh, Allison. She said, I don't know if I could even remember what it was like. She says, you know, when you're a parent of twins, she mm -hmm. said, you're so consumed with just keeping the bed and bathed and clean that just doing, you know, I don't remember. And so, um, but when she read the book, she said, you know, I do remember how they would babble back and forth, you know, cause I get, I sent her a pre-release like copy. Just give me your thoughts. So I do remember that. I do remember how they would play. And she says, now I don't remember the moment though, when they actually figured out they were twins. And I said, well, yeah, cause none of us do. None of us know the moment our babies actually knew, you know, what their names were or discovered their names, but it had to happen, right? I mean, they yeah. had to at some point. And so that's why I got taught. And then I talked to also to parents who had children who were close together in age. 
So mm-hmm. let's say they had them less than a year apart or about a year apart. You know, so yeah. I talked to them as well. And they said that when they had the second baby, they were so close to the, because I have one friend, her babies are like 10 and a half months apart. And she said she really could focused on the new baby because she was afraid that the new baby wouldn't get the same attention that the first baby got her, you know, because she was, she was so overwhelmed. And she said, and I noticed so much more with the second one. She, and I said, well, part of that is because you're so much more relaxed with the second baby. You know that you really can't hurt them. You know that they're probably going to be okay. You know that, you know, like I used when my, my first baby, every time he had a diaper, literally every time I had to change his diaper, I believe I actually gave him a bath. That's ridiculous. So the doctor said to me when I took him to, he says, you know, his skin is awfully dry. I'm thinking, really? He says, he says, well, can you explain your routine? He says, ma'am, I bathe this baby every, I said, well, I said, but only when he has like a really, a really poopy diaper. He says, but he's breastfed. How many of those does he have a day? So I said, well, you know, three or four. He's, oh my God. <laughs> one more bath at night before I put him to bed. So you, but you know, with the second one, you don't have to do all those things. So it does free you up to really observe and to see things. And, you know, I remember once my mother said to me when I was frustrated, I had three children and everybody, and I was working full time, I had a husband. It was just overwhelming. And I said, oh, I just wish I could just run away. Yeah. And she said, ah, oh, you're going to miss those little arms around your neck. And that was probably the one thing it just gave me pause because that is so true. Once they grow up, you know, you just you'll just miss that. I mean, they'll still hug you. You'll still have. But it, it's just something about those little arms around your neck. So you do slow down, you know, and then with my and with your last baby, I was I was trying to delay everything. I didn't even want that girl to get potty trained. I was like, well, you just stay a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and she pulled the potty chair out from under the crib like it's time. I'm like, OK, I She's like, I'm going to college, mom. It's time now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the last book in the series is what looks like a spinoff to My Name is Kayla. So can you talk a little bit about My Name is Cash? Sure. So My Name is Cash was originally going to be My Name is Kareem. And uh, because I wanted there to be a boy version of the Kayla book, you know, because I wanted I didn't want to leave boys out or my daughter when she had the twins says you leave a boys out, whatever. So I said, okay, I'll just do my name is Kareem because none of my children had any, you know, younger babies. Yeah. Well, then Kayla's mom, you know, got pregnant and had a boy and named him Cash. So I hadn't, the book hadn't gone to press. So we had done, the illustrations were done, but it was real easy just to t- change the name. And so we changed it to my name is Cash. So now he has, you know, that book, you know, with, with his name on. And then I changed illustrator. So the other thing is just finding the right illustrator. So this is a young man illustrated, my name is Cash. And he's a digital artist. So the book has a different feel and quality than, than Kayla, which mm-hmm. was deliberate. I didn't want it to be like, a, how do you say, like just a copycat, you know, like yeah. now you can order books where they'll change out the person's name, you know, and, 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 and that's great. But I didn't want I wanted this to look dramatically different than Kayla. And it does. And that's a pretty good segue, because I was going to ask you, how did you find the illustrators for your books? Like, what was that process like? Do they have significance to you in the or in children's lives or just how did that come about? So finding illustrators is probably the hardest thing that I had to do. Yeah. So when I was going to do My Name is Kayla, I had a co-worker say to me, I know you're getting ready to retire, but I know you're just not going to sit around and do nothing. I said, well, I've got these books, but I can't find an illustrator. And she said to me, well, 
my cousin is phenomenal. She's a great, she can really draw. So I remember thinking to myself when she said that, like, okay, everybody has a cousin who can draw. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has a cousin who can sing. Mm-hmm. I really wasn't trying to do that, but I didn't want, when I told her I would, you know, reach out to her cousin, there was no way I was not going to do that. Cause at, at you know, I am a person of my word. Yeah. And I reached out to Ayanda and she really is talented. And so that's how I found her just literally out of the clear blue. <laughs> so, and she did, my name is Kayla. And she did on Sundays, we go to church for my name is cash. I knew I wanted a different illustrator just because I wanted a different feel to the book. Mm-hmm. And I was mentioning it to, to the, um, the, the lady who cuts my hair and she says, Oh, I've got a client whose son is a really good artist. So I'm thinking, okay. So I reached out to Daniel and he is a really good artist. You know, he went to USC undergrad and just got a master's in fine art from LSU. So that's how I found him. So all of these are word of mouth connections so far. But okay. the illustrator who did We Are Happy, I was thinking, well, I ought to need, I need to find, you know, let me see if I can find someone else. So I went on a tool on um, the internet called Upwork. So it's up, the word upwork.com. And I just put in, you know, they have all kinds of professionals. They're graphic artists, you know, um, virtual assistants, you name it. You can find anything on Upwork. And so I just put in, you know, looking for a, uh, you know, uh, an illustrator, you know, realistic images. And so this young woman responded and her name is Catherine Gakowski. I've never met her um, at all. And so we did all of our uh, interactions via, you know, the Internet and via this tool. And so she did uh, We Are Happy. And so she's a digital artist, but she uses something called a watercolor brush. Mm-hmm. And so a watercolor brush gives the book more of a, um, it looks like it's painted, but it really isn't painted. You know, it's a digital it's digital work. And so I've never seen a watercolor brush before. I didn't even know that term. So a lot of it for me was just even like, like beginning to understand terminology. And so that's how I found Catherine. Okay, excellent. Yeah, yeah I wasn't sure if there was like, you know, just a, a coincidence or if they were folks that you knew and stuff like that. And so I wanted to make sure that we we kind of gave a nod to that because that one of the first things I noticed about you when I was at the CBC was the the gorgeous covers of the books and they're right behind you. And, you know, yeah. they're on the flyer that we have as well. And I'm just like, they're so like just stunning. They catch your eye immediately. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I got to talk to this lady and see what she's got going on over here. These books are so cute. Um, and so I wanted to kind of give a nod to the illustrators because they sometimes like the words are very important, but a lot of people will, will, you know, unfortunately judge a book by its cover. And I think you've got covers that draw people in immediately. So, but, but I think, you know, people do judge books by their covers and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. So I think that puts the onus on the writer to make sure you get an illustrator that can capture what the essence of your book is. Because we went back and forth on these covers. I mean, they weren't just the one and well, my name is Kayla was probably close to one and done. But the Mm -hmm. other, you know, we kind of went back and forth on kind of what we wanted the book covers to look like, because it really is important. And, you know, people get attracted to your book by the cover. And then some people never even like even go through the pages, at least in children's books to read them. They just buy the book. Yeah. So that cover really is your um, it's like your calling card. So. And so the do the, the children in the illustrations look like your grandchildren? No, no. <laughs> I didn't want it to be that um, that personal. Yeah, that I just yeah, I didn't want that. I wanted it to I wanted them to look different. OK. Yeah. 
And so I want to find out, I got to know, what was the reaction of your grandkids when they saw their books that you created for them? So I would say that, well, of course, Cash is a baby, so he doesn't oh, really yeah, know. He doesn't know yet. <laughs> but Kayla, Kayla and I took a, uh, our picture is in the, in the, um, it's in the book on the dust jacket. So the picture of us together mm-hmm. and all she could do was she could, she, she said, I'm going to school and tell everybody I'm a published author. I said, okay, that might not be accurate. <laughs> I wrote the book. She said, okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell them I am featured. <laughs> I am the main character in a, I said, that's what you can tell. Them. And then you can tell them that your picture is actually on, you know, it's on the dust jacket. So she was just amazed. And so she, even now she's 14, that book is still prominent in her room. Cause that's something that she really like. It's just, she just loves the fact that she's in the book. The yeah. twins, the twins are beside themselves because, you know, um, now Liam wants me to do another twin book because he wants to be the narrator for the next one. Of course. The Hunter was the narrator <laughs> for this one. So, and their pictures in the book as well. And so they took it to their school and they weren't even interested in showing people the book or reading the book. They just wanted people to see their picture in the back. <laughs> and so then, um, so then I went to the school and, and read the book. And so it was just a lot of fun. So they really are just um, feel really like special in a way that I, I wasn't, I really didn't know if I was expecting that, but in a way that really, um, for me personally, is just, um, you know, worth all the hassle. Yeah, it was (laughs) worth all because because getting a book published is not the easiest thing to do for sure. Absolutely, I've talked to so many authors who would share that sentiment with you. (laughs) So, do you have plans to do any more any more books, or is this it for now? No. So, um, the next Kayla book will be called Me and Santa. And so that'll come out next year, uh, right before Christmas, of course. And then I, on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, um, during the pandemic, I was the teacher for the twins. So every morning I would get up at 5.30, drive to my daughter's house, do the whole stuff with them with all the sign-ons and all that stuff, yeah. make sure they were listed. So I did that. And in doing that, um, I had several conversations with them. And so I would publish them on Facebook and I'd call them the Hunter and Liam Chronicles because they would say some of the most or ask me and say some of the most ridiculous things. And so I've made that into a book. And so I'm working on the illustrations now. And that one will be called, um, I think, um, When You Die, Does God Take Your Cell Phone? (laughs) Because that is what one of them had the nerve to ask me. (sighs) Okay. And your answer to that question was? So I thought he was asking because he was like, um, wanted to talk to me, you know, after I passed on. I was like, oh my God. Okay, so that's sweet. So I said to him, I said, I said, oh, I said, well, Hunter, you know, no, he doesn't. And then I said, why are you asking? He said, he got real quiet. I said, oh, do you want my cell phone when I die? He goes, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, I can't believe, I said, well, I tell you what, <laughs> you can definitely have my cell phone when I die. I'm going to put, I, you got my cell phone. So he said, he said, okay. So he was real happy. So then about two minutes passed and he said, oh, but you know, me, mom. And I'm like, what does he want now? Hmm. He goes, uh, I'm going to need your password. Cause I have my phone password. For t- so he's all about, you know, the logistics of how am I going to get that phone? So that's what I, although, you know, I, I I'm I'm struggling with the title because it's not a religious book at all. Yeah. You know, I mean, there is another one where Hunter asked Liam asked me, does God have a brain? 
So I have to answer that question. But most of them are things like, you know, Liam wants a Bugatti. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know the word Bugatti. I think I didn't know the word Bugatti till he said it, you know, same right. thing with Maserati. I did know about Maseratis before he said it, but I certainly never knew about a Maserati when I was six. You know, no, that was not, that not. Was not in the radar, you know, on the South side of Chicago. So, <laughs> so, so there are stories like that, or, you know, the couple of things that Caleb had said, you know, so, so, and they're funny that most of them are really funny and touching. And so um, that one will be, um, I'll change the format and still be hardback, no dust cover, but I'm going to publish it um, through Amazon and use their publish in you know, their print on demand capability. Cause all of the other books actually are pub. I publish and print them and warehouse them. And so they're not print on demand because they're too big and most print on demand companies won't do dust jackets and hardback. And that's what I wanted. So I'm going to try this one on Amazon really just to see how it does, how that works yeah. and to see what happens with it. But um, so I'm working on that one. Funny, funnily enough, if uh, I don't think your uh, grandson's going to want your cell phone by the time you do pass away, because <laughs> it'll be old. <laughs> He's going to be like, I don't I, want that. Who knows what they'll have then? Yeah, you know, right. <laughs> when I was seven, never in a million years would I imagine that I'd have a cell phone and a camera all in one and it would be so small. Yeah. So, who knows what what he'll have, but but you know he plans ahead. Hunter is the planner. Hunter Hunter needs to know every day what's going to happen. Like <laughs> you're having breakfast, and Hunter's like, "So what are we going to have for lunch? And about what time are we going to eat?" Boy, eat your breakfast. Oh my god! <laughs> so he's, just, he's always got to know the schedule. Like, what time are you picking me up? But you know, whereas Liam is just you know whatever, just just show up, just feed me. But, like I'm just here. What do you need? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So let's uh, transition real quick uh, with the last couple of minutes that we have here and talk a little bit about the CBC. So how did you come to find the Congressional Black Caucus and how many years have you been attending the conference? So it was such an interesting uh, uh, experience for me because my my original plan was to go to the caucus for the first time. So I would always get the literature and stuff, but for the first time in 2020, Mm -hmm. no in-person conference. Mm. So, yeah. you know, so I, you know, and it's and virtually, I mean, I know virtual work because we have to be virtual for me that I need, I need in person, you know, yeah. so I'm old school. So excuse me, listeners, but I am. But um, so I didn't get to go 2020, of course, 2021, they didn't do it live either. And so finally in 2022, I was just going to go and attend the conference. Well, a friend of mine said, well, you know, they have a vendor's area at the conference. You ought to think about, you know, getting a, a booth. Well, I really didn't want to sell books. I really just wanted to go to D.C. and kind of chill for a few days and just, you know, get, be fed what's going on legislatively. Because, you know, there are a lot of things going on in the country right now that have my interest, you know, to say yeah. the least. I mean, like what's going on in Georgia, Florida, everywhere. So I'm really Texas, you know, where I live. So um, but I researched and decided, well, I'll do an author booth because it was very reasonable price from an author standpoint to offset the high cost of the hotels in DC. So I went ahead and signed up to be, um, you know, to be a vendor. Now I'll have to say that I don't know if I want to do that again, because I missed out on the conference. Yeah. So you can't do both, you know, and it's not like you could do the booth one day conference the next. It it really, because I thought at first I could do that, but you can't really do that. So I have to think if, you know, if I go again next year, so I thought, well, I could go, I could just have my husband come with me and he could sell the books. 
And he says, well, what if they want them signed? I said, okay, so <laughs> get <problem>. a stamp. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I said, well, I could pre-sign. He said, well, what if they want it made out to somebody? Thinking they could wait and come back. I could come down at lunch or at breaks and do that. And then they could, you know, he says, Al, I don't think that's going to work. So we'll see. But I really, um, I just, I got to hear some of the sessions that were in the main area because they were right where I was, right where our booths were. Yeah. But it just wasn't, it wasn't the experience that, um, other folks got, yeah. Yeah, and that I kind of wanted to. And then I would want when I'd walk out of the exhibit hall, it was like a gazillion people out there. And mm -hmm. so I had no access to those. I mean, I I just didn't get so next year I'm going to go, but I think I'm just going to attend the conference. So and I I yeah, I will say so I attended the conference. I spoke on, on a panel, right? Yeah. And so I was on a panel on the the Friday uh event. And at the end of the panel, they were like, okay, you're, you know, basically you're free to go. You can, the rest of the day is yours. And so I, you know, of course was on the app scrolling through, looking to see like what yeah. other panel discussions were available, stuff like that. Um, and I saw two that I was like, oh, these sound interesting. Morris Chestnut was in one. And I was like, hey, you know, I may want to <laughs> pop in and sit in on that one. But um, what I ended up doing was I, I was like, well, let me walk around and see what's going on. And I happened to go all the way upstairs. And that's when I ran into the exhibition hall and I was like, oh, and I was like, OK, well, as much as I would love to sit in on some of these other panels and stuff like that, mm -hmm. I was like, I think I could wait, make way more of an impact coming into this yeah. into this room and just networking with all these people that are in here and getting to know the businesses and organizations that are represented. And I, when I tell you, I walked out of there with a bag full of like business cards and just all kinds of connections. I'm like, yeah. I just made way more effort or way more impact right. doing that than sitting in the back of some auditorium listening to people speak, you know, who would probably would not even notice that I was even there. And so for me, I feel you. And I was thinking the yeah. same thing. I was like, you know, it would be good because I felt bad. I, I talked to a couple of people who were, um, you know, in up there in that hall. And I was like, did you get to attend any of the sessions? And they were like, no. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, see, it would be good if they had a day where it's like yeah. just a day of the, of you guys up there. Everybody yeah. come up there, come see what's going on, get in, you know, get involved and all that. And then, you know, let everybody go to the panels because some of the panels weren't well attended either. And I think it's because people had to choose between too many different places to go. Too many places to go. Yeah. So and, and I think that's true because I did make I too made a lot of connections with other authors and other people in the exhibit hall. Yeah. So I could like go to another booth and get back to mine pretty quick, you know. So when there was like kind of a lull, but it's almost like. The convention center is so big. Yeah. It's like we were up there in the exhibit hall. Like we didn't even know there was a party going on downstairs. I mean, we didn't even realize how all the set until yeah. one day I walked through. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, look at all that we missed. So um, it is, you know, the, there's really no remedy for that. Yeah. You know, so unless they decide because a lot of the vendors come every year. I did find that out. And so a lot of them do extremely well. And they wanted they want the full three days and they were disappointed this year because they felt the attendance was down. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have that perspective. So, yeah, I mean, that was my first time going, um, you know, I got invited, like I said, to be on the panel. And so it was my first time like staying in DC and the hotel was fancy and everything was nice. And I was like, Oh yeah. my God, it yeah. was really nice. You know, so yeah, I, DC is a fabulous yeah. place to visit. You know? Yep. Absolutely. Um, we, when we lived in Philadelphia, we went several times because we were so close. Mm -hmm. So we could take the kids to see different things. It was really, um, it's just, I, lo I love DC. So. Yeah. 
So while we're wrapping up the show here, I do want to give okay. you the opportunity to shout out where people can buy your books. Okay. But I want to see if I can get a spontaneous fiction out of you. Sure. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> All right. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Your two words are puppy and jacket. Puppy and jacket. Okay. <laughs> Okay, once upon a time, there was a little boy named Jason. And Jason was lonely because he was an only child. And it didn't seem like his parents were the least bit interested in having another baby because he had asked them several times, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to get a baby? And the mother was like, nope. Mom was like, nope, not, no more babies. You're it, Jason. You're going to just have to be comfortable with it just being you. So he was so frustrated and so upset. And so they thought, well, we should get him a pet. <laughs> so the first pet they got him was a fish. And he was like, a fish? What? That's not a pet. It lives in water. I, you know, I didn't want a fish. So then they thought, well, we'll get him a hamster. And the mother was like, we're not having any hamsters. We're not having any rodents in the house. So finally, the father said, let's get him a puppy. Well, that Christmas morning, when Jason woke up and saw that puppy, he was just so excited. He said, oh my goodness, is he mine? They said, yes, he's yours. But you know, they said, you're going to have to walk the puppy. Mm -hmm. When it's raining, you're going to have to walk him. When it's hot, when it's cold, when you're tired. He's like, I don't care. I don't care. I will walk this puppy every single day. I am so excited. So he got up and he went to run outside and walk the puppy. And his mother said, whoa, it's Christmas. It's cold. You need to get your jacket. He goes, I'm so excited. I don't know. Okay, so he threw on his jacket, he ran outside, and he walked his puppy. And then he couldn't decide, what should he call his puppy? He decided, since he almost forgot to put on his jacket, that he would call his puppy Jack. <laughs> and from that day forward, Jason and Jack had the most incredible time together. And needless to say, they both lived happily ever after. The end. Oh, <laughs> that was so good. Where's my little applause button? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was really awesome. And I'm oh, I was I'm like, let me just think of the most random things I can come up with just to see what she can do. And that was really yeah. good. I like yeah, you, you can do it. You know, I have one of my uh one of my followers says, I just can't ever think of anything. I said, because you're thinking too much. Yeah. You know, and the kids don't care. Let me tell you, the kids, they don't care if you mess up, if you flub up, if you they don't really care. They All they care about is that you tell the story. Well, one last question then. Does, do the uh, grandkids have a favorite story that you've told them before? Like one that they're like, this was the best one you've told so far. You know, I've told so many. Mm -hmm. I don't think they even remember because <laughs> I never recorded them at all. Because yeah. you know, it was bedtime, you know, plus and minus. But we did do, I, you know, I did do a couple episodes with them, I think, where they actually gave me a couple words. But I think that for them, it's just, I don't think it's so much the story. I think it's the time. Yeah, it's the quality time they get to spend with And them. I think it's, and it's no phone, you know, no laptop, you know, yeah. no iPad. It's just, they're in bed. And it's just really, for the children, it's really the sound of our voices. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, because I can I can be telling a story and they actually start to fall asleep. And when I notice that, I hurry up and get to the end. Yeah. And, um, and but the thing is, is that's that's what it should be. Just let me spend that time with you. And so, yeah. 
Although I have told stories like one time we were, I was with a girlfriend and we had her kids in the car and we were driving to go see Christmas lights. They asked me to tell a story. So I'm telling the story. And so um, I finished. And so all the kids are giving me two words. And so I said, okay, that's it. I'm tired. She said, well, do I get a story? I'm like, you're like old you <laughs> stories for the kids. And so then she gave me two like ridiculous words. And, but I still made a story. And she said, Allison, I felt so special. I'm like, oh my goodness. Because I, because when I tell them to, I always use their names. Yeah. So whoever gives me the words, I'll say you. And then sometimes I'll say, you know, where they, the, where they lived and the, and the street they live on so to really make sure that they know the story is really about them. And I try to make the kids like the star. That's the awesome. They love it. Yeah. I should, I should have told you like anti-disestablishmentarianism and bureaucracy <laughs> just to like. Oh, right. to like, oh, I would have made up a story about that too, about how hard the words were to say and how do you spell them. I could have put that one <laughs> Man. All right. Well, next time. So <laughs> I want to give you the opportunity to number one, if there's anything else you want to share with the audience coming up on the horizon, whether it's a book tour or anything like that, please feel free to share that now, but also the links for where people can find your books and purchase. Okay. So I'm about finished with my book tours that I'm going to do in 2022. And so I'm working on the 2023 calendar. But if I could say anything to, to folks, I would say to take some time and just sit down and read, tell stories to, with your children. That the time you spend with them, that investment, it could be five minutes, will sustain them for a lifetime. And so if they just just could do that. I know we're busy. I know we've got a lot of things to do. I know that phone is pulling on you, those text messages, that Facebook, that Instagram. But my Instagram, my Facebook, my phone are my grandchildren. And that's where I really am trying to pour a lot of time right now. So I would encourage parents to do that and grandparents as well. But if you want to get any one of my books, you can get them on my website. So it's allisonwoodswrites.com. Um, I do free shipping because I want to make sure I compete with Amazon so that you don't <laughs> feel like you're missing anything out that way. And um, my website is um, AllisonWoodsWrites.com. My Instagram is just AllisonWoodsWrites. And so you can find me there. I'm telling stories there. I'm sharing stuff about what's going on. You'll kind of get even a better sense kind of, of, of what I'm all about. And so head on over to Instagram. So those are the two key places where you can find me. Got it. And I'll make sure that when we post this on our social media platforms and on our streaming platforms that we put those links there for people to okay. follow and get your books and stuff. So thank Allison, you. I want to thank you so much for your time today. This has been such a great conversation and the spontaneous fiction was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It, it's been my absolute pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. Definitely. And if you have anything else going on in the future, let us know. You know, as long as, as long as I have a microphone, you have a microphone. That's what I like okay. to tell folks. <laughs> that Thanks a lot. No problem. So, folks, I want to thank you for tuning in today. Thank you so much for being with us to all those folks who listen and, and stay with us and stream us all the time and, you know, download our content and share it and engage with it. We always appreciate you. And I know I've been gone for a long time, folks, but I'm not going to be gone like that again. Um, I just want to say thank you guys for being loyal and sticking around. Uh, I will be back with another episode. I'm going to have a whole series of people coming on from the, Con the Congressional Black Caucus. So make sure you keep it locked so you can see some of the awesome people I got to meet in D.C. this past month. Um, if you want to catch up with us on social media, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, so make sure you check us out at WJMS Media. You can follow me personally. I'm usually Jamie Jam or Just Jams on most platforms. So make sure you check me out there. Um, but in the meantime, everybody stay safe. Have a happy and safe uh, Halloween. And we'll see you next time right here on WJMS Media. Mm -hmm.
Thanks for listening to WJMS Media, where media is reimagined. You can check us out on our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Also check out our website at www.wjmsradio.com. And we also have a newsletter so you can subscribe and be up to date on everything.